Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. I'm so excited, actually, to talk to this guest. Uh, I think from afar, I've just, I've had nothing but major appreciation for what he has done and his company has done in the world of analytics and really explaining the story of ROI. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. Dan Moore in the house. Dan, what's up? (laughs) What's going on, Jason? Thank you so much for having me. I love the intro. Probably a little too too elevated, but again, very humble to be on and excited to chat with you. I'm sure it's going to be a lively. I, I, I don't uh, know why. Today. I don't know why we do that, but I think like all podcasts, like you have to have that kind of like WWE like intro, like, yeah. oh, just like stuff exploding in the background or something like that. But please hold my, my theme music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey Dan, for everybody out there that's watching, listening right now, and kind of don't know your background or how you got started in the industry. I thought it'd be fun to kick off today's podcast with a little origin story. So Dan, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Uh, well, you know, it's funny. I, I kind of grew up in it. Uh, my, my stepdad got in the business at 18 and uh, worked in, you know, automotive and then went to uh, RV. But at 19, I started selling cars and um, I've touched pretty much except for probably the fixed stop side, every aspect of, of the business. So, nice. you know, Ran a store, been on the desk, sales, closer, um, BDC, done it all. So it's been a fun journey. And then, you know, I've always had a, a, a love for marketing uh, and data. So it's kind of progressed my career to go to the vendor side through the years, you know, running website companies, um, joining Cox Automotive and, and working in Venn yeah. for several years. And then finally coming over to Vistadash. And I'm now what this month celebrates my fourth year with Vista. So it's been a fun ride. You know, I find in this industry, you know, it, it gets into your blood and, and no matter what you do, you can't get it out. It's like a bad stain. <laughs> like, it's just once you're in, you're in and you just it, it's so hard to kind of reinvent yourself and, and go elsewhere because it's just it's so much fun. And this yep. industry has gone through so many changes. I mean, I mean, in the last 12 months alone, we probably changed as the industry more in the last 12 months than we have in the last like 40 years combined, right? And I hate to identify silver linings, but it has been a really amazing last year. And I think a lot of things have changed. And I think one of the one of the things I think have changed, which I'm actually kind of happy about, is um, that all these discussions around attribution. I remember in 2019, 2018, everything was attribution this, attribution that, attribution this. Are you attributing? And it, 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 to the point where it was just, it was getting a little ridiculous. The buzzword itself was just insane. And I felt like in the last 12 months, we've done a really good job of debunking attribution. You know, so to you, when you hear the word attribution, what do you think? When I hear attribution, I think marketing mix, first and yes. foremost. Uh, that, that's what, you know, we've been constantly on the path for with Vista is, not getting overly fixated on the word attribution and going, Hey, let me match back, you know, Jason to his journey and saying, well, Jason, you know, went to Facebook and bought mm-hmm. a car and I can attribute it back. If we're getting into attribution, there really are only so many companies that can tie true attribution. One of them being Facebook, one of them being Google, <laughs> yeah. really at the end of the day, they have the biggest data set. Um, and then you kind of play into cars.com, Cox automotive, so on, as far as a level of attribution in their ecosystem. But again, only in their ecosystem. 
That's right. It's only in their ecosystem. So, and I think right now, like, I mean, at Visadash, you guys do a great job of kind of going outside of that ecosystem and really kind of connecting the dots. Can you tell us a little bit about how you guys do that? Yeah, I mean, first, we're agnostic, right? So again, everybody has some level of reporting or has a position on data. But again, there's something tied to it, whether they're the marketing mm-hmm. company or they do a piece of something. Our sole purpose is helping dealers understand what's going on with their marketing and understanding, do they have engaged shoppers? You know, yes. Part of the path, everything's a waypoint, right? Yes. Do I want to understand my SRPs and BDPs? Yes, I want to understand because that gives me an identity of, do I have an issue with my inventory from a mix standpoint mm-hmm. or, a, or just a total count? But then I need to understand, are my, is the consumer coming to my website? You know, are they scrolling, clicking, are they engaging? And then are they taking that virtual test drive and walk around by looking at the inventory? And then finally, are they getting to the point of converting, which means, you know, real hard conversions of, did they text chat, you know, click the calls, you fill out a form, start a digital retailing process. Those are the important steps that kind of sum up what activity is happening off all the campaigns or marketing points that a dealer is doing. And you know what? I, I love the fact that you use the word engage. You know, because I, I honestly, as as a marketer, even as a, a you know, as an ex dealer principal, I mean, I, that is where I found more value. That that was what I always wanted to know, right? If I'm going to go put out ten thousand dollars in marketing, all right, um, attributing that to an actual deal, yes, that's cool. Um, am I going to be able to do it every single time? No, all right. Um, but I definitely want to know how those marketing dollars are engaging with the customer, and I think that's where you guys really kind of shine is in is is being able to track. That, that ad engagement and how that ad engagement flows into your website engagement and then how that website engagement flows into that in-dealership engagement. And, and that's kind of the, the real story. I mean, to me, that's where I see the ROI in our marketing dollars. But for a lot of dealers, they're still looking for that, that, that like, well, did it sell me a car? Did, did it generate me a lead? And, and I think that's a mindset that we have to get out of as an industry, that's my question for you. How do we get out of that mindset and understand that this is a holistic approach, not a, a singular attribution approach? Yeah, well, agreed. So the holistic approach requires a word. It's called trust. And mm, the yes. dealer, you know, dealers don't trust data because they were based on where they get the data. They don't feel like there's truth in it. Right. Because whether <laughs> I'm getting it from a vendor that I'm paying them monthly and I get the report, I'm always going to question that that truth. Um, the other piece is, is that the data is not in all in one place. If you think about just measuring third parties, right? So let's yes. take cars.com, auto trader gurus. If I have to go look at car gurus report, then go to Google analytics and mm-hmm. then go to my CRM, that takes up a lot of time. And there's bits and pieces that I may pick up and may not pick up instead of just having a clear story or a clear view of understanding here's what happened from the third party. Here's what happened on your website, giving credit to, you know, assisted conversions as well as conversions, mm-hmm. then to the CRM and understanding not only what my close rate is, but what's my cost per vehicle sold, right? Yep. What's my cost per lead? Because again, all of those things matter because we're in an environment that's ever changing. Google's expensive, right? Yeah. I mean, Facebook's still at a nominal rate. So, you know, we shouldn't be running in fear. We should be looking at what are, where do I move my mix around to get the most for my buck? Because again, it's not like every dealer has a blank checkbook. They're looking to make sound decisions, kind of going to the poker table and understanding what's my percentage of winning, and I want to play at the highest percentage table, right? Exactly. You know what? It's it's about it's about smart spending, 
And um, I definitely think that has been a theme with some more of the most successful dealerships I've seen over the last 12 months. I mean, look, the last 12 months, we've really seen the cream rise to the top in the sense of we have, we've been shown in our industry, all right, who the true leaders are and who the ones that may have just been kind of riding the wave of the success of their own brand, not necessarily their own operational efforts. And I think when, when I start talking to a lot of those dealerships, one of the key factors I find with all of them excuse me, is they got, they got really smart about their spending. And so when, when you hear that, all right, you know, what do you think when you hear a dealership, all right, wanting to get smarter with their spending? Uh, It's efficiency. When you're getting, when, when you're really calling into question what you're spending and your, you know, even operational efficiencies, because again, a lot of your staff that you're you're saying, hey, your job is to do sell cars or whatever, they're now being tied up with all of these non-action related tasks. When it talk when you talk about building out reports and chasing data and doing all this stuff, it becomes a tedious task that, that yeah. affects the primary focus. Unless you're truly hiring, you know, a data scientist, and some large groups are, yep. or you're hiring, you know, a, a developer or somebody to build you something, or you're utilizing certain things, and that's what their task is majority of the time is spent. You're taking someone's focus off the primary role to do these other things. And then you wonder why they're not achieving their goals. So I think, you know, COVID has definitely accelerated. Hey, what is, what does it look like from, you know, a spend standpoint, but that encompasses every aspect of the dealership from operation to to marketing spends to headcounts to so on, you find ways to drive more efficient behavior. And this seems to be, you know, the sta- almost a little bit of the status quo rotation in the sense of, hey, in good times we just spend carelessly and we run a little bit <laughs> loose, loosey goosey. But then when a when something major happens, like you know, OA or COVID, all of a sudden we just contract really, really hard, and then we run this way until we get to feeling comfortable again, and then we slowly creeps out again and we bring it back. Instead of again, there's a lot of smart operators that operate really strict in the sense yes. of hey, this is how we operate. This is the objective that we want and we stay the course. Um, and they put good processes and people in place to manage and maintain that. And it really does kind of come down to good people and good processes. I mean, you kind of mentioned it a little earlier, you know, as like you got to be self-aware to know that, uh, you know, this is a this is a place of expertise that you feel comfortable playing in or not. Right. And, and I think for a lot of dealerships, I mean, I find for some of the most successful dealerships out there, all right, they're, they're willing to acknowledge that this may not be a place uh, that right. they're total experts in. And they do need to partner with maybe a marketing expert or an operations expert. I can actually be honest with you. I think marketing and operations, that line is being blurred more and more every single day. And it makes me happy. All right. Yep. But then what makes me upset then is I'm going to, these self-proclaimed marketing experts. All right. There's just I, I find I find it difficult for a lot of dealers out right out there right now to to try to figure out who to actually partner with, right? To fulfill that space of that expertise when there's just so many people out there proclaiming that they know it all. So I'm thinking for the dealers out there that are watching listening right now, what advice can you give to them that will kind of help them filter through the, I guess, real versus fake it till you make it experts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, depending on where, you know, where you are as a dealer today and, and where you're trying to seek advice in certain aspects. I mean, a, I always say, talk to other dealers and say, are they generating success? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't ask for just the ones that are with them. Ask for ones that have left. Oh, um, I like that. So you've got to do a little bit more, you know, investigating. Um, at the same point in time, 
you know, um, utilizing channels like this, you know, your podcast and bringing other people, you know, up and having conversations like this should give some insight into people that they want to interact with challenges that they may face. Cause again, th- there's no charge for listening to this podcast. So exactly. there's free resources to kind of help identify, um, or even potentially interview people that you are interested in talking to, to help you solve a problem in your dealership. And, and I think that, there's always going to be, it, it plagues every industry. It's not just auto. There, there's the self-proclaimed people that have, you know, <laughs> created their level of success and said they've done X, Y, and Z, and this is why they're great. The reality just comes down to this. Um, at some point, you kind of got to check emotion and, and rely on data. And there's a blur to that one. It has to be fair data, standardized yes. data, something that that is tried and true, not just a position to win a narrative, but honest data that's going, Hey, good or bad or indifferent. I just need to know. And when you can get there, you can make better decisions and guide those narratives. I I think the challenge for a lot of dealers is just this space is uncharted ground. It's constantly moving and it's can be intimidating at times. So it it is a hard, hard thing. You know, it is, but you know what I find this is where look, I mean, we've both been operators before. So this is where I think sometimes I I get, I've been given a hard time for having a little tough love for our industry. But it's 2021, all right? It's like suck it up, buttercup, all right? You need to know what, what people are talking about out there. It's, 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 it's not okay, I think, in, especially right now in, in our operations, that dealers don't have the education or they're not educating themselves enough to, to understand and be able to separate out the, 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 the real versus the fake, you know? So it's like I, I, there are times where I just – I don't feel bad for the dealers, because uh, somebody may have t- promised them something that doesn't actually exist because I'm like, it, it, right. it's, it's yours. And, and I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that self-awareness. Like we really, I mean, we really have to take the time to look at ourselves in the mirror and say like, look, this is, th- this is me. I need to know, you know, here are the reasons why I feel the way I feel. All right. And this is my knowledge and it just become more self-aware. So that's, that's my question because I know you've, your book has got some amazing topics and goes down this direction in a big way. You know, can you talk to me a little bit about your journey of self-awareness and how that's helped you become a better leader and a better business person? Yeah. So on the leadership side of that, you know, and the self-awareness is again, constant practicing student, meaning to your Mm -hmm. point, yes, go seek the information. Or seek the people. You don't always have to have the answer. You just got to know where to go get the answer. But you just have to be aware enough so uh, you can do that, right? Right. And, and you got to, again, you know, um, you got to check your ego at the door because you're not yes. going to know everything. You can't fake it to make it because sooner or later, someone's going to flush you out. I mean, whether you're a dealer, a vendor, whatever it is, someone's going to call you to the carpet and figure out where you're, where the whole, where the chink is in the armor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you're not transparent about that and just own it, like, Hey, you know what? I don't have an answer, but I know where to get it. Right. Um, and I think as a leader, when you demonstrate that in front of your team and, and with people, it does tilt a little bit of, of humility, but it also builds a lot of trust in like, Hey, I know when I approach this person, I'm going to get the truth. And I think that's critical in leadership because if your people you know, don't trust you, don't believe in you, don't think that you're, you know, capable of, of pulling the sled, if you will, then that becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. I mean, look, I, I think of some of the most successful 
owners that I've met and have they had the opportunity to interview and have conversations with is, um, you know, their self-awareness is in a place of they know what they know and they know what they don't know. And they're Correct. willing to work or teach themselves what they don't know. And, but, but, but to your point, that does require, like, we got to check the ego out the door, which in our industry is very difficult. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> I agree. I came from, I mean, listen, trust me, I, I, I get it. Um, it's easier said than done. Right. Um, but there's some great, uh, operators out there that, that do lead with, you know, all the right intentions to care about their people. They, um, you know, constantly learning, putting themselves out there. You see them not in automotive conferences, but going to other types of conferences. I mean, I spent a lot of my time outside the auto to go to, for learning, I go outside of auto in auto. I, you know, kind of talk about obviously what we do, some of the things and trends that we see, but again, to, to really stay ahead, you've got to, you know, put yourself in some uncomfortable situations and, and kind of, be the small fish in the ocean, if you will, to really expand, you know, what you're capable of doing. If you're really self-aware, you'll never know everything to the point, but you've got to be willing to challenge yourself and dare to be uncomfortable. No, I agree. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I've gone through this, uh, after the last five years, I've gone through kind of this self-awareness kind of process for myself. Right. And, and a lot of things I've learned about myself and, you know, like I'm not, my, my, my EQ is not overly high. I'm just not, connected that way but I'm but I push myself to do that but for me to even start I had to check my ego now you have to understand though being in the car business for such a long time it was my ego right that that really did have a lot to do with my my tenacity or my my level of aggression or getting to where I wanted to go I was never going to like I was never going to achieve what I ultimately achieved without that ego so I understand at that point in time it was required but I think for a lot of people in our industry they don't necessarily know how to check it so I'm curious for you, like, how did you do it? How did you get to that place where you're like, you were able to check your ego and then get into that place where you really were able to be honest with yourself so that you can start that, that self-awareness journey? Um, part of it is, is when you kind of, you've got to reach a point, And I think for me, you know, having kids, I think grounded and taught me quite a bit. Yeah. Um, having three daughters is definitely uh, <laughs> changes your perspective on things. To your point, again, you're, you, when you're in the car business, especially being at a young age, I mean, you you get callous. The one thing I love about the car business is it teaches you how to um, deal with rejection. I mean, you know, the standard jokes to a lot of the dealers is, you know, I, I, I out punted my field goal when it came to my wife. It's like, yeah, because if you think about what we were conditioned to do when we first started selling cars was deal with rejection. Yes. Right. Um, so you do build this, um, this layer of, of, you know, confidence, if you will, over time, but this just kind of like, Hey, I'm desensitizing myself because I don't want to be hurt by rejection. Right. So it starts to become the ego or that false narrative wall. And then once you kind of break down to that and go, okay, what did I really learn? And for me, what it was, is just, you know, it's not rejection. It's an objection. And an objection yes. is, is, I don't know. I, I'm not comfortable because you haven't provided me enough answers. You haven't saw, you haven't given me what I'm looking for to feel comfortable to make a decision to move forward. And so that journey of self-awareness of understanding, like, wait a minute, this is the wrong look. The right look is just understanding people's position and, and understanding, um, just being a good human. I know that's a popular <laughs> statement these days, but you know, again, for the sake of, of just saying the current climate of, of the U S right. Empathy would be a great thing. Um, but I, I think that I always look at it as going into any situation. There's no ego. It's a sense of how can I create a win-win scenario exactly. in every situation? You, you know, a lot of people go in with the intent, 
how do I level up? How do I, how do I benefit from talking to Jason? Right. Yeah. Instead of me going, how do I help Jason achieve what his objective is? And in return, I will organically get the objective I'm looking for. And, and I think when you start looking at things just in a different perspective, it brings all of those walls down and helps you understand what, you know, kind of your focus, your why, if you will. Um, and really allows you to kind of look inward because again, the hardest thing we face in life is getting up every morning and looking in that mirror and saying, you know, today I want to be better than I was yesterday. Right. Exactly. How do you do that? You know, and, and it really does, it has to do with the backbone of the why. And I love the fact that you brought up the why, because I think it's a perfect segue kind of into our next topic. We're going to kind of lean back towards kind of marketing, which we were discussing earlier on is, you know, it is, you know, to be self-aware, all right, you have to understand your why and that will propel you into amazing places. But, but, but also understanding the why in everything uh, makes ROI really, really easy. And I feel like we don't spend 100%. enough time like identifying the why. So here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to kind of lean back towards marketing real quick. All right. If we're really willing, wanting to get the value out of our marketing efforts, we actually have to have the real why we're right. actually doing it in the first place. Because uh, we talked about Agreed. this earlier before we started, it's too easy to check out that proverbial box. So, so when yes. you when you hear that, like how how, how you know if, if a dealer came to you and struggling with this, like how do I how do I identify the value of my marketing? How would you help them kind of identify the, the real why behind it? Yep. No, I I think this is a fantastic question, and yes, I'm hyper focused on why. Um, sidebar: That's actually my talk at TEDx Roseville in August is going to be is your why a lie? Nice. So I'm definitely watching. Yeah. I mean, why is a wonderful thing, but why is the point of curiosity? If you really think about it, if we really kind of break it down, mm -hmm. the real window, why is curiosity? So when, when, and it's a good question I do get asked, like, Dan, I'm looking at my marketing. How do I really kind of dig in? And I say, there's three fundamental pillars that will break down marketing for you. Currently, if you think about how everybody looks at marketing, they look at marketing. I look at my paid search. I look at my, you know, traditional, whatever. And I go, how many cars did I sell? How many eyeballs did I get? <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, again, I'm breaking a simple level. I'm sure there's many dealers watching going, Dan, I'm far beyond that. I know you are just follow. So there's three pillars though, that play into this. There's the inventory, which is kind of the bell of the ball. If you don't have the inventory, then you're not selling anything. And that's why you're a car dealership is cars, right? Sell them and fix them it is at the simplest level. So if I'm not understanding what my inventory mix is, my count, how I steady that into how many cars I'm going to sell, I can do all the marketing in the world and I'm never going to be happy because I'm not going to sell any more cars, but I'm going to blame marketing instead of looking at the fact that I have an inventory problem. Mm -hmm. So now I check the box, right? My inventory got to be honest about it. Great. Now I come into the marketing piece and I go, okay, based on this, I'm going to execute on this marketing, whatever your strategy might be, what your agency, you know, suggests, whatever. And then you execute and you don't really get the result you're looking for. Now you got to look at the end yeah. result right? The people in the process. So based on what came through the CRM, based on what I can calculate as far as opportunities came to be, did the people in process fail? And I have to check that box first before I go back and blame marketing. So marketing mm -hmm. is almost the last stop of what's really wrong because you got to look at the both end caps and go, do I have the inventory and do I have the people in the process to truly maximize the dollars I'm about to invest in moving inventory and filling my fixed ops. Well right. said, well said. And, and, and that is like, it's, it's, if, if we don't, 
we're too quick to blame in this industry. We really are, right? And yeah. and, and we're also uh, not quick enough to take ownership. And you know, too often I find that you know we're quick to blame a vendor or another employee why, why something didn't work, right. and then we're, we're we're definitely very slow to actually take ownership of, of that fault. And that's the one thing. I mean, look, you've had an opportunity similar to me to talk to a lot of dealerships. You've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you know, and I, I I always think back. You know, to there are certain attributes that are in that top 1% of successful operators. And I think definitely one of those attributes is, is, is their willingness, you know, to own that, that, that's the failure and to learn right. from it. Right. And for a lot of cases, it starts with the why, like, why are we doing this? Like, why, Correct. like, what, why, why are we even running this? Are we just doing this? Cause we got to check out that preferable box. All right. And then it's like even going one step farther, right? It's not just like, why are we running ads? Well, why are we saying what we're saying in those ads? And does that necessarily connect back to our people and process and operations? I, I find too often right now that marketing and operations are just are like they're like they're like islands. And the amount of conversation that actually happens back and forth are like uh, like Morse code. Beep, 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 beep. That, that's oh, about the extent agreed. of the conversation. When these islands come together, amazing things happen. So here's kind of my question for you, because you've you've been in a lot of dealerships and talked to a lot of people too. How do we bring these two islands together so they can work on that why together and make magical things happen? Well, you know, that is a fantastic question. And it gets me excited. <laughs> and you're probably gonna reel me in because I could spend all day on go, this. Go, one. go, go, go. Uh, but I think that the key here is, is every time I talk to a dealership, I ask a question, what is your strategy? What is your goal? Mm -hmm. And I take the obvious off the table, like short of selling and servicing more cars, what's the goal? That's what are you exactly. trying to understand? Well, I'm trying to understand, you know, I spend X amount of paid search. Is it really working? Great. Let's dig into that. Right. Um, you know, third party lead providers, you know, this expert says I don't need them. This expert says, you know, I should put all my money in paid search. This expert, what do I do, Dan? Right. So first, what I tell dealers all the time is you got to kind of go inward to go outward. So first mm -hmm. and foremost, stop worrying about what, you know, Jason's doing in the 20 group and signing up for everything <laughs> Jason's doing because he's killing it yep. because that's not going to fix your problem. You're going to fix your problem if you're being honest. So first I got to go and say, what are we missing in our current structure? What are we missing? Mm -hmm. And I got to bring everybody together. I, I think the, the thing that is interesting going from, you know, automotive um, to more corporate structure. And again, more of these corporate, you know, larger groups do have this style of, of management where the management comes into a room and they have a, a meeting and it's a very transparent meeting of, everybody on the same page. Here's what our goal is. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's the means. Everybody understands collectively how to execute on that and what role they play in that. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. when you're in a silo, nobody knows. I mean, Jason, I can't tell you how many times I talk to marketing manager and go, Hey, can you tell me what your pump in pump out report looks like? What's that? Oh, right. And it's not a joke. I'm not poking arm. No, I know. Why I know. shouldn't they be given that information? It's important. If you want your marketing team to move the needle for you as a dealer principal, as a manager, you got to give them the information. Understand where are you losing business to? Because then the strategy starts to play behind that. What vehicles are popular? Yes, you can do attribution modeling and that helps you after the fact. But what you need to know right now is what's happening right now. Because exactly. there's changes in your marketing that you can change constantly and make small adjustments because 
I will tell you this, the one thing that I think um, will be a big plus and a big forward movement for a lot of dealers is if it's working, be brave enough to break it. Now, I like that. That is a big one, is is to be brave enough to break it. I I have this saying, um, someone asked me the other day, like, you know, Jason, like, there's a great dealership. They're doing wonderful things, but what, why aren't they doing more? I call it a full belly syndrome. And and, and that's what it sounds like to me. It's kind of what, what you're talking about as well. It yeah. says full belly. It's like we are so satisfied with what we have. We spend more time We've always talking, done it this way. Right? We, we spend more time talking about what we've done, not necessarily what we could have done. But I think, Correct. but, but and, and these are the times, like in the last 12 months, this is where you start seeing that cream rise to the top. You're seeing the real leaders out there in our industry are doing that, right? They're, they're talking not necessarily about what they've done, but what they can do. And that, and that creates this snowball of change, you know, and you definitely see from an operations and a marketing perspective that we have to process our way to profitability. There is no secret, there's no secret sauce. There is no magic diet pill, secret sauce. You know what? Actually, okay. I know I'm going on a tangent here, but I got to talk about secret sauces for a second. Yeah, because I, saying, I know where you're going. <laughs> I can't stand this crap, man. I'm seriously like, I just, I was, I, I, I just recently, I got an email from a company, right? And you know, they're like, you know, you, you got to sit down and do a demo with us. You got to do a sit down and a demo with us. We have the secret sauce to bring in you more business, right? And, and AI, we use AI this and AI that. And like, I got me asking, like, I, I get sick even saying it, right? When, when you hear the word secret sauce, I want I know what my, reaction is when you what what is your reaction when you hear that word secret sauce secret sauce proprietary information <laughs> yeah listen our secret sauce at vista isn't secret it's our people ah there you go everybody can build the tech everybody can do paid search everybody can do social media there's no secret sauce. There's just a fundamental difference in strategy. Yes. That's all that's being executed. To say it's secret sauce, please stop. I mean, it's like saying that everybody that comes out with the latest and greatest widget has the silver bullet that's going to change the <laughs> car industry and you're going to sell way more cars. I don't know if anybody's done any looking at the national average on close rate, but I don't think it's changed much. No. So just saying, like at the end of the day, it still comes back to you and the onus on you um, to all the dealers out there. It sucks, but the onus is on you as the leader. The people in the process are going to be the, the pinnacle to what changes for your dealership. Exactly. The other pieces are the complement. So I think, you know, listen, as a digital marketer myself and as someone that's ran agencies, I mean, my conversations with dealers were always consultative in the sense of let's make sure you're ready for it. Cause just because I speed <laughs> isn't going to solve your problem. You can only handle so much. So do you want quality or do you want quantity? Cause I can give you either or, but for I would sure. rather give you quality because it's going to give you better optimized outcome. You know, you know what it kind of comes down to? And as we're, I'm listening to this and now we're getting towards the telling of our time, but it really does it, like everything gets tied into about self-awareness, right? Like, I mean, I have to be self-aware to know that my secret sauce is not some magic widget that gets installed on my you website. You've got to be honest. And, and it's, just being honest. It's, it's, not a, it's not a digital retailing product. It's not, it, it, is, it, is, it is my people. But, for, but like, I'm thinking for the people, 
for the owners out there to get to that space, they have to be self-aware to know that it is their their people and their processes that fundamentally make the difference. It's it's not how cheap their cars are. It's not it's not how big of a Taj Mahal of a physical building you built. All right. It, the, the thing that makes you unique is your people and your process. And this and and that goes back into what we were originally talking about, you know, marketing mix and attribution. Again, it's people and process. You know, that's, that's what connects all those market, all those marketing elements together. And, and, you know, how do we, how do we avoid, you know, self-proclaimed marketing experts? We talked about that earlier. You know, again, that's being self-aware to know that it's the people and I need to focus more on the person necessarily the fancy widget that, that they're trying to push to me. And, you know, it's like, I think every dealership out there can benefit so much from taking their time and looking in the mirror and really being honest with themselves and, and, and understanding that they need to get the education so that they can play in this space. Or they need to go find the person, the person, not, not, not the secret sauce or the, the AI. God, I hate that word. Um, <laughs> but the, I'm the just person. staying away from that landmine at this point. Cause yes, I agree with you. But, but, but again, I, I think you're on to that point right there and, and maybe expand a second there mm-hmm. on one other critical piece is it's the awareness of understanding one thing. When you hear the word, you know, um, Carvana, Vroom, yes. CarMax, there's this, this, this heartburn that, cause, that causes a dealer some pain. Yep. It's the honesty of not understanding, like not getting combative with the point, but wanting to seek the root cause as to why. Why did we let these players come in? What were we not doing? And what were we missing that allowed a disruptor to come in? Because a disruptor doesn't mean they innovated. They just took advantage and exploited a chink in the armor. They just opened the chink up bigger. Because again, at the end of the day, there's there's two common pieces. There's the inventory and the person that wants that piece of inventory. Mm-hmm. How are you creating the experience and how are you telling your story? Because the consumer wants that. I mean, and we, we've used Amazon. I mean, again, I can't tell you how many times I go to an auto <laughs> conference. Right. Someone brings up Amazon. Someone's going to bring it up. Drums, you know, Blockbuster. Look what happened to Blockbuster. You know, whatever. Now we look at GameStop. That's a whole different ballgame. But I'm just saying, you think about all these examples, and I, I just chuckle because at the end of the day, they found a way because they were solving a problem. They weren't solving the yes. surface problem. Exactly. The surface gave them the sense of, I need to focus on this. But I need to go ask a lot of why to get it down to the root to understand where my point of entry is to create the most success. So as a car dealer right now, that's where that's where the strength comes in and being aware is what's going on in my market? What are my consumers wanting? And am I meeting that need and that want? Yes. And and I don't need to worry about the buzzwords of all of these things that I get told at conferences, what I need to understand is most importantly, who I serve, which is the client that's out there shopping for a car. How do I create the best experience? Tell my story in a way that's digestible Mm -hmm. and create an experience that's on their terms, because that's essentially what we all want. That's why Amazon's so popular. It's either thinking for me and telling me what I want to buy subconsciously because it's listening to me or whatever else you want to say (laughs) it's doing or not doing. Um, But it's winning because it's attentive to my needs and it's easy to get. Well, and, and you know what? To get to that place, we have to be intentional. You know, we had talked a little bit about this actually before we started recording today. All right. But like, I believe that either you're 
you're in, you intentionally do or you intentionally don't do. And I don't actually feel like there's any middle ground whatsoever, right? But but to get to what you're talking about, like we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional with our processes. We have to be intentional with the way we develop our people. We have to be intentional with our marketing. We got to look. I, I, it seems like the overall arcing theme of this entire podcast today is stop checking off the stupid proverbial boxes. All right. right. And get Stop just doing busy work to do busy work, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and get to work work. Meaning exactly. It's like if you really checked and balanced, you would see how much time you're wasting versus just having really actionable account of time. Like <laughs> if you're still talking about something and haven't done it, then you need to ask yourself, and this is the point, Jason, back to your point about self-awareness, is mm-hmm. if you're still talking about it and you haven't done anything, then you have to be honest and look in the mirror and say it's just not that important to me. That that is so true. That is a hundred percent true. I feel like that's the mic drop. Of, of of our podcast today, um, I look. I know it's the tail end but of our time. It's the truth, man. It, it is. It, to, it totally again, is. I, I, we're all guilty of it, right? I'm sure you had. You, you talk about. Some, I mean, hey. again, I, I've, I we were talking before this. I said a little bit. I'm like, yeah, you know, the, the quest for losing weight. I talk about it all the time. I, I know. I do. But I don't I, act on it. I still like that cheeseburger. You know what I mean? So it, it's a level of priority. It's a level of you know, you looking in the mirror and just saying, hey. I'm going to be honest, and this is going to hurt a little bit. Yep. But this isn't important right now. Yeah. It's it look, and 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 I find like that as owners or operators or managers, we can all get to that place, but we have to be willing to get there. We have to be willing to put the time in. It doesn't happen on its own. It's about being intentional. Hey, um, Dan, before I let you go, though, for everybody out there who's watching and listening right now and don't necessarily, and would love to connect with you, sorry, uh, would love to connect with you. What What is the best way to do so? Oh, I can give you a whole bunch of them. So you can uh, reach me at dan at vistadash.com. If I can be of any help to any dealer, I always offer up my time um, because, again, I come from the from the dealership. So a uh, true passion and, and always happy to help any dealer. Um, you can reach me on all social channels, uh, more of Dan, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Clubhouse, uh, Instagram, wherever you are. Odds are I'm there. Not a hard <laughs> find. I love it. Wherever you are, Dan's going to be there. So, um, but, but no, though, though guys, everybody out there watching, listening, engage with Dan. All right. Dan is not just like this on the podcast. He's like this all the time. All right. Engage with him. You'll have an amazing conversation with him. And, uh, you know, like your, your, your willingness to want to see people do better is, is truly admirable. And thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been awesome. Uh, you have yourself a great day, Dan. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much, Jason. Really appreciate it. Thanks.